0: If you know someone with Parkinson's, or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon, or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. There are three items I want to tackle in this episode, clearing the way for next episode to be all about Game 4, and thank God we finally got another game in this series. I don't know about you, but it's felt a lot longer than two days since Game 3. The three items are Ben Simmons' trade value and the rumors of which team would be his best fit, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the tepid recognition he's receiving for what he's doing in the NBA Finals, particularly from either current or former NBA players, And what to make of Team USA winning its third exhibition so convincingly over Argentina after losing its first two to Nigeria and Australia. Let's start with Ben Simmons with recent reports that the 76ers are now exploring trades for him. Let me apologize in advance if I come off as a little snarky on this subject. But the tone of the reports is what is doing it to me. Let's start with the reports that the Sixers are now looking to trade him, as if that is a change in direction. It's not. The way Doc Rivers used him during the playoffs made it clear that he had lost confidence in him, did not believe he could run his offense through him, did not believe he could run plays for him, did not believe he could close games with him. Let's be clear. The Sixers have to trade Simmons before next season. Any report that suggests they are in the driver's seat or have their choice of teams is being fed by the Sixers or is delusional. Simmons just completed the first year of a five-year, $177 million deal that includes a 15% trade kicker. So this is the pecking order when it comes to who decides where Ben Simmons goes. Ben Simmons, who more than likely will have to waive that trade kicker for a deal to work, thereby giving him essentially veto power over any deal. The team that wants Ben, and Ben wants to play for, and then the Sixers. Which brings me to the report that the Blazers would be interested in Simmons and would offer C.J. McCollum as part of the return package. I believe that. The Blazers have been looking for a playmaking forward forever and have tried any number of players to fill that role with little success. They also would love to make room for Anthony Simons to get more playing time. McCollum's contract lines up pretty nicely with Simmons. He gives the Sixers a better player at creating his own shot than anyone they have on the roster right now outside of Joel Embiid. And he starred in college at Lehigh Lehigh University, which is less than 50 miles from Philadelphia. That last item shouldn't matter, but it always surprises me that it is indeed a point of conversation in trade talks, at least when the owners get involved. The feel-good story of a local kid or a kid who starred locally coming back as a pro sells tickets or warms the heart. I don't know what it does, but you'd be surprised at the number of times where that—I'm not going to say it's a main factor, but it's a—it's a throw-in. It's—it's it's an added sparkle to the attractiveness of a deal. The part of the report that irked me was that the Sixers supposedly don't want McCollum. They want Damian Lillard, which I can barely get out of my mouth without laughing. Of course they'd prefer Lillard. Who wouldn't? But that suggests the Sixers have a choice in the matter. They don't. They're not getting Lillard, and I'm not all that certain right now that they're going to be offered someone better than McCollum, or that it should be suggested that they are capable or should want more than McCollum for Simmons, as if Simmons is some golden calf that everybody is pining to have. That's not where Ben Simmons' value stands right now with the league a more reasonable and rational position for the Sixers to float out there. And I have to believe this is all coming from the Sixers because, one, Daryl Morey is notorious for this, both floating stuff out there, his relationship with the media, and trying to set the market for himself. In any case, a more reasonable and rational position for the Sixers to float out there, for Daryl Morey to float out there, is that he'd want more than McCollum. A pick, another young player. Hell, say you'd want both McCollum and Simons and test how badly the Blazers, A, want Simmons, and, 2, want to keep Anfernee. If it's really badly, they may give up two other assets to avoid giving Anthony up and think that they still came out ahead. They got the guy that they wanted in Simmons, and they got to keep the guy that they wanted to keep in Simons. The Warriors have been rumored as another destination, but I don't see the fit. First of all, stop thinking of Ben as a point guard. He's not. He is a point forward, and ideally a point power forward, which is what Draymond Green is. You can't put Green and Ben on the floor at the same time. Because neither of them is a reliable threat beyond 10 feet. And they play the same basic role. Unless the idea is to trade Draymond for Ben, which is insanity. The difference in leadership skills alone makes it unthinkable. Never mind the chemistry that Draymond has with Steph. All for about $8 million a year less than you'd be paying Ben. The Bulls... Are an intriguing possibility it's not as if i've heard their name connected with simmons but i won't be surprised if we do they're intriguing as long as the deal doesn't involve zach levine which means it would have to involve lowry markinen i would not be surprised if chicago were willing to do that i think they're ready to move on from Markinen. they need to improve their defense And they desperately need a playmaker. The leadership on the team is strong enough, I believe, that Ben can continue to be the quiet, non-emotive soul that he is. And I can confirm that the reports about the Bulls being interested in Lonzo Ball are legit. I wouldn't say they're salivating over him, but they know they need a pass-first, defensive-minded guard to play alongside Levine. Kobe White ain't it. He's an ideal scoring combo guard off the bench on a good team. Make no mistake, I like Kobe. I think he's got a future in the league. Not convinced he's a starting point guard. Not even convinced he's necessarily a point guard. Minnesota and Cleveland are two other spots I've heard mentioned in regard to Simmons. I doubt those are places Ben wants to go, which is where the value of the trade kicker comes in. Now, why the Sixers gave that to him is a mystery, since his unwillingness to develop a jumper by the time his rookie deal was up should have raised concerns about making him a franchise cornerstone, especially next to Joel Embiid, since a playmaking forward isn't the ideal running mate for Joel's skill set. Now for the U.S. beating Argentina handily in their third exhibition in the run-up to the Tokyo Olympics don't make too much of it. It was good to see Team USA give a more concerted effort on defense, which allowed them to get out and run, which is the only way Team USA's offense really clicks in international competition. There just isn't time to develop familiarity with the kind of half-court offensive sets that work, because they're significantly different than the ones that everybody runs in the NBA. So the formula that won them the last three Olympic golds appears to be at work again. Defend, turn teams over, pass ahead, and attack and transition every chance they get where their superior speed and athleticism can shine. But understand this, Argentina is the fourth ranked team in the world. They had no interest in playing up to that ranking if it meant showing Team USA its cards. Think of the basic offense NFL teams run in exhibition games. That's where you get or that's what you get from most top foreign teams that expect to see Team USA when it really counts. Far better to lull the U.S. into thinking it's a mismatch now. And I, I would expect the same in Team USA's exhibition with Spain coming up. I know Greg Popovich and the coaching staff are aware of that, but it's still human nature. You go out and stomp someone by 30, especially someone you don't really know, not familiar with, and you can tell yourself all you want. They're going to be a lot tougher the next time. And it's still hard to adapt to the stiffer challenge. It still catches you by surprise. And that element of surprise is what the Spains and the Argentinas and the Frances count on. If I had to guess right now, by the way, I'd say the top of the rotation for Team USA is going to end up being KD, Lillard, Draymond Green, Bam Adebayo, Zach Levine, and Bradley Beal. What I'm interested to see is if Jeremy Grant can horn his way into regular minutes off the bench. I would not expect anybody else to be seeing significant time other than garbage time. Finally, I've been fascinated by how reluctant current NBA stars and former NBA players now working in the media have been to fully applaud what Giannis Antetokounmpo is doing in these finals. Coming back from a hyperextended knee that forced him to miss the last two games of the Eastern Conference Finals, Giannis has been the most dominant player in the finals so far even with Milwaukee down 2-1 in the series. And yet, I haven't seen the same reaction on social media or on TV that I can recall seeing from plaudits about Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Just the, the, the difference has been startling. The more usual reaction from his peers on social media, or wherever, is usually over the top. So this relatively reserved reaction seems rather obvious. And I believe it stems from this. Giannis is not one of them. He obviously didn't grow up in the US. Grew up in Greece, Nigerian descent, never played on the AAU circuit, and made his bones or friends as most players do there. He's never looked to work out with other NBA stars during the offseason. He didn't flex his muscle on the free agent market the way he could have, preferring to stay in quiet old Milwaukee. There's an innocence about him that I suspect other NBA players perceive as weakness or just not assertive enough to truly be a star. I thought the same thing for quite some time. Even though I had people who have played with him and coached him, who told me he had the fearlessness and the mindset to be a champion. And mind you, these are coaches who have won rings, so they know what a player has to have to be in that category. I just hadn't seen it, so I was skeptical. Or I thought, okay, he has the mindset, but not the skill set. Now, I'm not so sure. With every turnaround mid-range jumper he hits, his confidence is only getting stronger. With every drop step, shoulder bump, jump hook he lofts, either scoring or getting to the line, he's becoming more conscious the Suns don't have an answer for him. He, as I said earlier on FS1, he's owning his greatness. I see an assertiveness and a demand from himself and from his teammates that I had not seen before and that I was longing to see before I could put him in that top echelon before I could believe that he could not just win a championship but he could lead a team to a championship and when I look at the personnel on the Bucks as of right now he is the one who's going to have to lead them there even the free throw stroke is looking more and more consistent which is what will happen when you're not only taking at least a dozen every game, but you want to take at least a dozen every game. You're making it your business to take at least a dozen every game. Kendrick Perkins, one of his critics, is trying to maneuver around his shaky stance that the Bucks are best when they're featuring Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday as much or more than Giannis by comparing Giannis to Shaq calling him Giannis O'Neal. It's a slick move. He can't be criticized for not recognizing Giannis's dominance, yet it leaves him room to still suggest that Drew and Chris are the actual closers, serving in the same role Kobe did. Yeah, I'm not buying that for two reasons. One, Giannis has been scoring in every imaginable way, in ways far more varied than Shaq. It's not just in transition or off spinning drives. He's hitting mid-range jumpers and a fair share of jump hooks, and he's getting to the free throw line more than any other buck, far more than any other buck. He is the matchup the Suns don't have an answer for. I have no problem with him driving or Again, working below the free throw line, getting to the paint, drawing all the attention, and then kicking it to Middleton. Or simply swinging it, if need be, to the weak side and allowing one of those guys to attack if it's it's one-on-one. Or playing pick-and-roll with Drew as the ball handler and Giannis as the roller. But Giannis is the one that needs to be involved whenever possible. Not Middleton. And I'm not convinced that if put in a close game down the line... Especially in Game 4, Giannis isn't capable of knocking down a few free throws or rising up for a mid-range jumper or jump hook. It's the next step for him, and I would not be surprised if we saw him take it in this series before it's over. But the NBA players, past and present, are right about one thing. Giannis is something else. All the great ones are. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As I said at the top, we are now on the eve of Game 4, a must-win for, for both teams, quite honestly. I, normally, we look at Game 5 as the game that decides a series, I feel as if whoever wins game four is going to go ahead and win the entire thing. But obviously, a lot of that has to do with how it unfolds, who the stars are, who isn't or is injured when it's all said and done. We'll discuss it all in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.